Hey, boy, Noiros. Welcome to it. It's another episode of Out of the Podcast. What are we at, Dan? 37. Seven. Uh, we're we're uh, trucking along. Further than 11. Yes. A lot further than 11. It's blood on the moon, if I remember correctly. You have a much better memory than I do because I have Well, no I feel idea. like I remember yeah. Out of the Past being 10 and then okay. we followed it up with the Mitchum. That's yeah, that's the back to back. only reason I know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good episode. Check that one out, especially if you need a cleanser after our last failure of a Western noir. We did do it once. Yes. And it, it was a good one. We're going to step up to the plate again soon, but that's we'll get there. You, you'll see. But uh, in the meantime, hello, Dan, gentlemen, Joey here to say welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. How's everything going for you? Everything's going pretty, pretty good. Um, oh boy. Gotta... <laughs> I mean, I, I think I say that Someone's been I, watching Curb. Yeah, I was going to say, that, I think that's why, just because I've been, yeah, I've been re-watching Curb again. So that's been a good, fun experience. I've, I've watched it many times. I'm in it's the middle It's a good thing of, to have in your life. Yeah, it is. I, I've, right and, in the background. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, right now I'm in, in the middle of season eight, so I'm, I'm getting pretty far. It's pretty easy watch. We in New York? Is this the New York season? Um, I believe it's getting there right now. He's still in California. He just got kicked. He, they had a divorce and he just got kicked out. So he got into the new house. So that's just kind of starting. But yeah, he's about to go there if, I, if memory serves. But I, I really, chicken or is that next season? Literally the next episode I'm about to watch oh, okay. uh, is, is that one, which is a Good. fantastic episode. Um, yeah, one of the classics. Yes, definitely one of my favorites. I remember seeing that and I was like, I, I was walking away from it. And I was like, I have stuff that I want to do. But I'm also like, I kind of want to watch this episode, but I'm going to leave it. I'll, I'll leave it for my next, I'll pick it up because it gives me more, even more reason to go back to it. But I, I realize that season six is really where, like six through eight so far have been amazing. Like, I mean, the first seasons are okay, but once it hits season six, it's just like, from then on, it just, yeah, there's a few few seasons in a row where it just, it really hits a stride. Um, I feel like it's when he brings in some writers. Yeah, I, I think it's that. I think it's just like, I, I think they start to get a real sense of like the tone of the show and like, how funny he becomes just, you know, living in his own mannerisms. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like it, it really kind of amplifies it and, and it, it just becomes more natural, I think. And, and it's how ridiculous it is. And obviously with the, the whole Seinfeld reunion was, was the season before the season seven, um, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Leon. I think it is when he brings in those like additional writers, I mean like writers, quote unquote, just to outline everything. It seemed like it reinvigorated the show and gave a little more direction again. Yeah. Because it yeah. seemed like he was kind of ready to tap out. I mean, I mean, it always kind of feels like that. Yeah, <laughs> he always feels like he's one step away from it because he doesn't need to do it. You know I would I mean? say that, like, honestly, this last season was like the first time it felt like, oh, it's coming back. Like, usually it's like, okay, enjoy it. This could be it. But yeah. it was the first season that it was like, okay, it'll be back. And, yeah. and it's coming back. So Yeah, I mean, I'm looking I don't know to if it. it'll feel like that after this next one, but y- yeah. We'll see. The new the new seasons haven't been that great. The last like couple have have been just kind of so so for me. I, I'm looking forward to rewatching them and seeing if I, if you know it's been a while for me for the the newest season. So maybe in context of this, I'm looking forward to seeing how it stacks up all in a row. Um, yeah, I always don't like them until I do a rewatch. I yeah. think there's just so many expectations, and then they get right. let down, and then you just like go back and you're like, ah, actually, wasn't that bad? I gotta yeah. Get out of I my think own that's what it is. Like, this one because you know the other season so well, you know how funny it is, and you're expecting like it's going to have that instant, I don't want to say wow factor, but that instant laugh factor where it's like, it's going to hit you right away. One thing I will say about the rewatches though, you realize how many of those episodes it's like, oh, it's really just the enjoyment is just based off of one joke. That's so good. It makes the episode worth watching, but you're like, you realize it wasn't actually like hilarious throughout. It was just worth it to the payoff of what it was building up to. Yeah. Sometimes you can see the payoff and you see how it's going to come full circle. You know, you kind of, yeah. you kind of pick out the things in the beginning that are potentially going to lead to complications later and then, and then eventually bringing her back full circle. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a good time. How What's about that you? song called? Do you know? The dum, 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 dum. Yeah. I forget the name of it. I mean, it's like a legit song. I just can't think of the name, but I mean, that's, it's hilarious. I mean, you can't hear that song and not, instantly think of curb yeah i believe and i'm gonna i'm just gonna take this segue because i got nothing to say i believe it's a public domain song is it really yeah so that means we could throw it in i believe a lot of those um all of the curb music is public domain that was sort of like a, a budgetary thing they did back in the day i know it's like it's always sunny in philadelphia is too that's why like you'll watch shows and sometimes they'll use the same cues yeah like, hey wait a second you're like oh it's because it costs nothing i wonder why you're bringing that up well, like I said, Dan, I'm taking the segue. 
You're wondering, you did terrible research for this episode, sir. I can't no, believe you. I Look at him trying to backpedal now, everybody. Busted. That was complete, we busted com- you. complete sarcasm. Yeah, that uh, sarcasm was dead on arrival, sir. Oh. Oh. Very good. All Touché. joking aside, everybody. Welcome, welcome to our, we're, we're covering it. This is one of the famous ones you hear about when it comes to film noir. D-O-A, Dead on Arrival, 1950. Can I just say, this is the first time I watched this movie. Um, yes. This movie was wild. Yes, man. it is I, wild. It is wild. It's, a, it, it's yes, we're going to get into it. This is a classic and, oh God, we'll do our best because this is going to be one of those convoluted ones. This is something that fascinates me in noir where they were just like, people... You know, they don't think it's a, a film noir unless you confuse the hell out of them and they love it, you know? Like, that's just, yeah. I, I like those movies. They're not necessarily my favorite ones. When yeah. I, when I think of, I like the more, like, sparse ones are a little more planned out and not trying to, like, confuse an audience to think that they're smart. But it's just yeah. a fascinating trope to me when we come upon it. I think it's like, you know, you wonder if it really is that they kind of realize that and, and they're kind of in, in the mindset where they're like, the audience is not necessarily going to care because of what else is right. happening, what else exactly. is seeing. So I think it's just like, you know, the fact that it's a little bit convoluted and, and, and hard to follow, they'll let that slide. You know, but yeah, look, but it looks like we yeah. know what we're talking about because we're just filling the space with just so, so much. much. I mean, oh, yeah. it's one of the reasons I look forward to doing these where we like read the write-ups because it's like, oh, that's what happened, huh? Like, and this is going to be a big one because, yeah, I'd say this is maybe my second or third time seeing it. It's been a long time and, because it's public domain, the prints are tough. I will say this is the best print I saw. I saw it on the great canopy. Shout out to canopy and, and the library system that allows it. I think but I yeah. might want to do like an A-B test because I have this glorious alpha video slim DVD Ooh. budget DVD version. I was not expecting that slim. That just was uh, quite an effect you put on me. I wasn't either it, 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 <laughs> when, when I bought it um, online. But I mean, I bought it for so cheap. But sure. um, the actually, I was... I had very low expectations of this print. It was pretty solid, I'd say, for a good, like, 90% of it. And then yeah. the other 10% had, like, a little bit of some fog to the print. But by and large, I wasn't... I feel like it was the same print then, for the most yeah. part. Towards the, towards the end, it kind of got a little bit, little bit iffy. But no, There's I, I didn't mind it. There's one question in particular I'll have for you when we get to it regarding print. And, and, and uh, I don't know. We'll get to it. But yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, and, th- and there, because it's public domain, it's streaming a lot of places, so, which I was glad to see. We brought up this concept of how all these streaming services should just have all these things. They should do their own personal restorations, in my yes. opinion. If I was Hulu, I would say I would be create like a Hulu branch of just like restoring public domain things or getting cheap stuff like that. Build a library of this kind of thing because it's, it's greatly needed. So if we have any yeah. executives listening to the podcast, free ideas idea for you maybe give us a shout out if you can at a meeting or maybe that's what we need to do you know maybe that's we could step it up but yeah we need to know more people that's true it is who you know but i, I was think thinking that, about that yeah like i think they're just out there listening to our ideas for blu-ray and making sure they come out silently but that's about it because we uh we neglected to mention before we really get into it the naked spur just after we recorded the episode like a day right wasn't it it was, it was, yeah, it was like a day or two. It was ridiculous. Warner Archive coming out with the Blu-ray, like right when the episode C's released too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really uncanny. It's been happening it a was, lot. Yeah. Yep. And then also we got our, uh. Night at the Opera. Night at uh, the March, Opera. Thank March you. Project, we've talked about on here before. I, it recently came up and I kept, yeah. kept bringing up my Superman, the animated series, which is yes. finally coming. I mean, it's everything but the the biggest one we've been wanting and, and maybe that's the joke of it all is they'll keep yes. giving us everything but well we still got um, a month left in the year so well, yes we, we will uh we will hopefully have good news for you come december hopefully this won't be a 2022 podcast but we're hoping it's a long december oh boy we are not hoping it's a long december <laughs> i want my birthday to be long and that's it although that's it. it'll probably snow like it does every year mm. Yeah, that's the bummer about winter winter birthdays. Yeah, that's the bummer. Yeah. Well, one of the bummers. Too damn cold, Dan. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, public domain, always a good time. This one actually, (laughs) 
had been an accidental, there was a filing error with this and the copyright was unable to be renewed in time. You can blame old Leo C. Popkin for this, who produced this movie under his Harry Popkin Productions label. And it was co-produced with Cardinal Pictures and distributed by United Artists, April 21st, 1950. Directed by Rudolph Mate, written by Russell Rouse and Clarence Green. DOA, dead on arrival. So we, we're, we're coming back with some old friends. Yes, yes. We got Edmund O'Brien here. We remember him from The Hitchhiker, of course. This was actually before The Hitchhiker. Yes, three and, years, uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. And he's, in a, he's in a couple other film noir, which we'll probably get to at some point. Uh, he, he pops up a lot. Yeah, we got him coming in A Double Life, The Killers, White Heat. A lot of, a lot of good stuff coming from him. Mm. But it is fun to have him back. And especially, I would say this is a, a different role than The Hitchhiker, you know? Still scared, but just in a different way, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I think the one of the things I really like about this movie is just, like, how mundane of a job he has. It's similar to, like, in, like, Double Indemnity with, like, the insurance salesman made me think of that. You know, he's an accountant. And, and, and like, how much this movie just or pitfall, spirals. right? Yeah, yeah, or Pitfall, where it just spirals off the rails. And he's just such, like, a boring, mundane guy and how his life has vastly changed. And that's... I, I mean, that's you could even compare it. it to Pitfall of just um, yeah. a guy getting bored goes to cheat on uh, his, the person he's with, and then it is a complete mistake. He should have never left Los Angeles to go to San Francisco for this, but yeah. we open just right off the bat. This thing gets cooking. Edmund O'Brien comes into the police station in L.A., and he says, I want to report a murder. Mine! I want to report a murder. Sit down. Where was this murder committed? San Francisco last night. Who was murdered? I was. It's a it's a long. By the way, that police station is is stashed way in the back of this building. Like oh, he has yeah. to run pretty far. I mean, that's. I don't know who designed that that whole thing. If this was real life, but I think they're just letting us know Edmund O'Brien's going to be running. He yes. he's going to be exhausted throughout this movie he's just on the move uh, he's got some good stuff gotta give him that he does he's like a cartoon in this thing yeah it's but amazing yeah, the police for whatever reason they're expecting him to be here and they've actually had an all points bulletin or an apb since we're speaking in acronyms here dan it's doa i'm, w- I'm C- with it see mon come on <laughs> oh no i, I got you <laughs> an acronym for come on yes Yes, okay. That you just made up. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think it'll catch on. Yeah. I know you got it, Dan. It's our dumb audience. Those dumb Whoa. A second, they need to be walked through it. Wow. <laughs> Completely alienating our audience. Good. Oh, boy. I'm Very sorry. Good. This this stick is dead on arrival. But anyways, we, we, we this happens. We're going to need a flashback. So we're going to head back to two days earlier. We got Bigelow. He's in his hometown of Banning, California. And he's like, you know what? It's time for me to get a one-week getaway from San Francisco. And his girlfriend, Paula Gibson, who's played by Pamela Britton, is also his secretary. She <laughs> she can't come. No. <laughs> it's like, hey, everything sucks, and I'm going, and you might be a cause of it. And then she's spiraling, too. She's just like, I don't want you to go. And then she even like calls him at one point in the hotel and is like, hey, you know, you just do whatever you want. I'm not really going to be too bummed about it. Just come back to me. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Not good, guys. He's going. He's going to head over, and he, he gets to this hotel. And this is what I wanted to ask you about when I was afraid to copy quality and stuff. Did you hear this, like, whistle? Oh, oh yes. Only in the hotel. And there'd be every time, like, a woman would be on the screen. And it was just like, is, I, I couldn't tell if it was, like, an elevator noise or a... Uh, a message shoot but it was so weird and then it did not come up ever again so i had no idea what that was i mean it it obviously made me think of like he's like wooing at the girls that he was coming across right but i don't know because it, it, i didn't see it moving on his lips like i didn't see right. where that noise was coming from and yes you're right it only happened during the hotel sequence with all the the trade you know there's a trade convention and oh, there was like a lot of people staying at the hotel but no, I had no idea. I thought that was really super bizarre, too. I had no okay, idea what that glad was. glad it was in your print. I feel like no. that's the same print. I don't know if they added that, like, later in one of the screen runnings to just... I don't, I don't know, but that was quite bizarre. Very, very weird, yes. 
<laughs> no, I, it's funny you brought that up because that was one thing that I, I mean, I was just like, yeah, I guess this is in the movie. I don't know what. I thought I was going crazy. And I, yeah. when it was just like one or two, I'm like, okay, but it was nonstop. It, even when he goes up to his room, you hear it. But then as soon as we're at the, the fisherman, the quote unquote jive nightclub, you know, it's gone. Yes. And he still sees pretty women, but yes. you just don't hear it again. But I, I don't know. But that happens. He heads up to his room at the hotel and leaves his door open. Yes. He also gets a call from Paul, and this is what I'm saying. She's like, do what you got to do. But also, Eugene Phillips, import and exporting company. Uh, you want to talk Costanza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he urgently needs to speak with him, and he will not leave a message. So and he's like, you know what? Call him back, figure it out. But I got to do what I got to And so Sam Haskell, he's a guest in the room next to him. He comes in. And he's a good time. And he's like, why don't you come to a party with us? And we're going we're gonna to go ahead after. And, like, he heads into the party. Uh, Haskell's wife is, like, hitting on, uh, on Bigelow, like, the entire time, like, right in front of him. It was so awkward. And then yes. that goes on at the bar as well. Yes, Wants very to dance odd. with them. Yes. yes. And they, like, just got married, too. And it's like, yes. buddy, these are red flags. This is not good. Yeah, and it, he we had just come into the room, and she was already hitting on someone else too. It was like, no, no, no I like this guy you brought in better. That that'll do it for this him. guy so. can actually dance. Yeah, yeah, he's got to hang on to him. He he got to keep it loose, you know. So we're at the Fisherman, which was the Fisherman was both the name of the bar and the name of the band, which was really interesting. Like, do they just run that place based off the success of of their music? The house band, I guess. Yes, the house band indeed. And that's actually, the band was called the Wig Poppers in real life, mm. which is a Quite fun a name. name. And they actually dubbed over their actual performance because it was a little too ripping, apparently. Oh. Yeah. They had so. to tone it down for the movie, I guess. Those wigs were popping off, so we say, yeah. hey, fishermen, easy there now. But that was fun. I, lo- I love these music scenes usually when they pop up. And I'm like, yeah. No, they always sure. love to just throw them at you like, eh, jazz, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was cool, too. And so we're there, everybody's having a good time, you know, but we're also making fun of <laughs> making fun of people that like jazz, like the bartender does. Like, I don't know what these weirdos are up to, but hey, it brings in some money. Bigelow, he instantly sees someone at the bar and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, head over here and trade up from these strangers. I'm on vacation. Yep. And so he gets a drink at the bar with this pretty woman. It's a bourbon, I believe. Is that yes. correct? Not well, he orders important. it before he walks up to her. So he has the drink. And then he sees the woman and he gets up and goes or leaves the drink where he yep. was previously sitting and he goes to the other end of the bar. Yes. And then we see a stranger swap the drink. Which is a really cool shot. I do like that shot. Where you yeah, a, lot of, a lot of cool shots in this yeah. one. Um, I mean, it's, it's nothing too crazy. I mean, the performance is more bombastic than the movie. And of course, like just the, the plot running it. But like, mm-hmm. it's cool. It's very competently done. I mean, well, I think part of that's probably the director is a former cinematographer too. So you definitely yes. know that he has a good eye as well as the cinematographer is good too. But I'm saying, I think that was, you know, obviously they had a lot of good pros working on it and know how to get good shots. Cinematographer directors, always the best ones. Yes. Especially have a good when eye. They, yep. They bring in someone, they have a good eye for someone who also has a good eye. And then those yeah. meet and it's a delightful. You got two good eyes. <laughs> Except for what? Uh, the Coen Talk. brothers, Coen brothers cinematographer, was it Sonnenfeld? Wasn't that him? Is that is that the name? I don't I don't remember. Barry Sonnenfeld, I think it yeah. was like their DP from like the early ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like went to like direct like fucking Men in Black and stuff like that. Oh wow! I believe that was his role on those movies, but I did not know that. I might be making a correction next week. Sorry, but yes, there you are. So not always the case, but mm-hmm. sometimes they. Do. I mean, hey, you know what? They were good-looking pieces of shit that he made. How about that? <laughs> Still had an eye for color and, and, and photography. So, yeah, he drinks it, and he's like, hey, I think this drink doesn't taste like bourbon. Something's off. Why don't you go ahead and refill this? But it's too late. So the next morning, he wakes up, and he feels like shit. He ends up going to a doctor, and the test reveals that he has had a, quote, luminous toxin. Yes. And they turn off the lights and show it. This thing's glowing in the dark. Dan, you yes. can't have your insides glowing in the dark. Well, that was on the second opinion because the first, the first doctor just said it to him and he didn't believe him and he runs, yeah, he like, runs hey, out <laughs> and yeah. immediately oh, goes, and books it. Yeah, he, he yeah. literally runs to another another hospital and that that guy, um, you know, sh- you know, turns the lights out. And you see it's like radioactive. It made me in kind of a you know, weird way. It kind of made me think of uh, Kiss Me Deadly with the 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 what's it thing where it's just like that flashing like 
light thing in the dark, you know what I mean? Like that. It's just yeah. bizarre. That would have been a good theme if we were playing it out a little better. Yeah. Although I guess we did go nuclear with our last episode. A little bit. We went nuclear to the premise of the show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> in, in a matter of speaking. And that's, is that the, where he's going through the streets like of, of San Francisco is when he it's when he's like finds out that he's been poisoned, right? That's when he's like running through in the panic. Because that one where yes. it's like a long shot, he's going, yeah, I believe that's it. And because like, he, he tried to get him, he tries to admit him to the hospital. And yes. he, he's like, he's like, I don't want a part of that. Like, he's like, I'm out. So he runs again. And yes, and that's the scene I think that you're talking about. Which, yeah, you know, I'm sure which you is have amazing. You get a nice yeah. shot of that of 1950s San Francisco. And that one actually had been done. Nobody knew they were supposed to be filming that, uh, uh, quote, stolen shot. Yeah. So you actually see a lot of people in the streets going, like, what the fuck is going Yeah, like on? real reactions, which is real cool. Real reactions. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of great stuff like that going on of just natural occurrences and performances. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. You feel the fear. I, I Just the premise of this is so such a slam dunk. Oh, yeah. It's it's just interesting. And it does feel very gritty, like, in a way. Like, it does feel very... Like, you, you kind of put yourself in his shoes. And, and I love films that can do that. Like, you kind of put yourself where you're just like wait what like imagine yeah. if you were him you're like i like at first because at first you don't know so i'm in my head i'm wondering like is this just some random act like some, right. some like this guy just saw this random guy and was just like i'm going to slip this in his drink or yeah like whoops more, i thought it was someone out. else took the right. wrong drink but yeah you're, you're just figuring it out but you you know the stakes right away stakes stakes are high a premise like this could be so dangerous with mm-hmm. this genre and could be a little too over the top, but it really does strike the, the right balance. Yeah, I would agree. As, 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 as at times the action does get a little bit ridiculous, but in the best way, like, it's, yeah. I, 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 I don't think it's ever, it ever got to a point where it was over the top too much. No. And that's, that's important. Yes. That's why it's here. So yeah, the second opinion also implies that, Hey, you know what? Someone might've done this on purpose too. So try to figure out what's going on with you. He's remembering that his drink tasted strange. And then, of course, yeah, he's, he's running away again. And he's trying to figure out why, who poisoned him. So you know what? He's going to do a little detective work just on his own murder. Love it. Yeah. And so, and they also tell him, like, you know, you probably got like a day or two, a week at most, but it's not looking too good. And so with that clock running against him, he's, he's off to the races, pun intended. He, he first heads back to the bar, which is now closed. And then he goes looking for Haskell, who's checked out of the hotel. And so he ends up calling Paula again. And she she gives us our first clue, which is that Eugene Phillips, who's this businessman, had urgently been trying to contact Bigelow for the last two days. He suddenly died, yes. apparently of a suicide, jumped out of a window. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know what? I'm on it. Bigelow then heads to Phillips's place in Los Angeles, the import-export company. We meet all sorts of crazy people yeah we got miss foster played by beverly garland who was phillips's secretary mm-hmm. and mr halliday played by william ching who is the company's comptroller and he lets him know that eugene phillips had committed suicide jumping out of the window from his high-rise apartment the previous day but i he can't let him know why he was trying to contact bigelow mm-hmm. from there he tries to go to talk to his wife phillips's widow played by lynn baggett which is a ballsy move, but you know what? When you're running against the clock, desperate, you, you, know. you do what you got to do. Exactly. Desperation is, is the name of the game. She, and she's acting weird when they met too. And like, she seems to know about documents and, and other yeah. instances. Like she seems to know who he is. And even though like, they never met before. Absolutely. So we also meet Phillips's younger brother, Stanley, who's played by Henry Hart. And he kind of gives a little more information too. He's like, I don't know why you're trying to speak, but he does say, Hey, he had sold a rare form of uh, iridium, which is a luminous toxin. Luminous, mm-hmm. also the name of the game, Dan. Yeah. Uh, and he was maybe going to go to jail, and that's what drove him to suicide. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know what? That sounds pretty good. Wraps it all up. The end. Hey, wait a second. I guess there's more. <laughs> Back at the hotel, Paula calls again, and she says, hey, you know what? Six months prior, I was looking into it. Bigelow, you notarized the bill of sale for iridium to a man named George Reynolds, who's working with Phillips. Bigelow goes back to Mrs. Phillips and this is where the bill of sale stuff comes up and she seems to know something about it. And Reynolds has uh, disappeared along with the bill of sale. So seeing that everything seems to be, the evidence is being hidden away from him. Bigelow seems to feel like he knows who's poisoned him. 
and he's, he's on the hunt to know who. You know, he knows the why, but not the who. He also thinks that Phillips was murdered, possibly thrown from the window or something. So he goes to question Miss Foster again, and she says that on the day of the death, Phillips saw Marla Rukaban, played by Lorette Luez, who was a model and a former girlfriend of his. Mm-hmm. And so he heads over to Marla and accuses her of being in cahoots with Reynolds and trying to kill him. Just who are you? What do you want? Never mind who I am. Where's Reynolds? I told you I don't know him. Now, will you get out of here and leave me alone? So you never heard of George Reynolds, huh? And don't try to tell me that this isn't him because I've seen him. If you think you can scare me, you're crazy. Look, I know that Phillips came here yesterday. And right after he left, he was pushed out of a six-story window. Pushed? Phillips committed suicide. Your playmate Reynolds murdered Phillips. Then he went up to San Francisco to get me. Because I knew about a certain bill of sale. I don't know what you're talking about. You're in this right up to your pretty little neck. I'm not mixed up in anything. Get your hands up. Drop that picture on the couch. Turn around. She pulls a gun. There's some good gun pulls in this movie. Good, like, people revealing themselves from doors and popping out. All that stuff was top of the game aces. But he's able to take that gun away, no problem. And he also takes a picture that she has of Reynolds. I was like in her bag or something like that when she was, she was fine. Room. She was she was she was leaving for Buenos Aires. She was leaving and she yeah. had a picture a frame picture with, with her. She's like, I wanna take this with me. Yes. <laughs> so he tries to look into Reynolds through that picture. He goes to the portrait studio that actually took the photo. Yeah. And is able to find out that is his real name. So you know what? Good instinct there. Yeah. It's good detective work. You're all business when you're you're dying. They should infect every detective when they take on the case, you know? Yeah. That should be it. Sure. And then he, then he hey, you know, people are gonna work a little extra hard. But yeah, we find out his real name, Reynolds' real name is Raymond Rukaban. Rukabian. Well, how is it pronounced? I don't remember. I'm just reading it now. I think it's like Rukaban. I think I think Rukaban. you might be right. Okay, yeah. cool. So he goes to the address that was provided by the photographers to go see Reynolds, and it turns out to be an abandoned warehouse, and he is shot upon it by an unseen sniper. This is one of my favorite sequences in the movie because he he walks out. He's walking out of the the, the uh, photography place, yeah. and then out of nowhere, you with just... Edmund O'Brien's face, he's got such a good yeah. like, do, 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 what? like his yeah. surprise face is so good. And yeah, he just gets shot at for so long, and it's really cool. Yeah, it's just a really, really great sequence. He's hiding behind the car. He's, you know, he's getting a barrage of shots at him, and then he, he goes all the way up into the warehouse where the shooter was perched mm-hmm. and doesn't find him there. But, well, he, he sees like somebody fleeing, you know, door shutting, but he finds the clue. He finds the matchbook from the fisherman. Yes. And so he heads back from Phillips's office, and he gets kidnapped by Chester. Yes, this guy. Cool. Played by Neville Brand. Oh my God, Chester was my favorite character in this movie. Talk to him. Speaking of Costanza, yeah. Speaking of talk, third talking about himself in the third person, it's so awesome, and he is just unhinged. I oh yeah, I want to see more of this guy. He was great. This Bigelow's real cute. He wanted to get tough with Chester. He don't know Chester. He's in uh, Kansas City Confidential, which is oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, which is great, and I think that one's pretty easy to come by too. I have that on blurry, but yeah, I, I would, uh, hopefully we get to do that one. Cause that one's great as well. That's another Excellent. film noir. I'm, I'm looking for more of this guy. So we will absolutely get to it. Yeah. He's, but, he's good in that too. So yeah, I think, I think you'll, you can like just that. tell this is a guy who knows what he's doing. I mean, he's coming in 1950, just this memorable, the best. So Chester, he's a henchman of Reynolds's uncle. Who's a gangster, Mr. Majak. And he was the guy who Majak. Yeah. Majak. Majak. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Even better. He's the guy who bought the Iridium you know, the black market. And mm-hmm. so Bigelow gets taken to Majak. Marla is there as well, this, his mistress. And um, they have a talk. Majak says, my nephew can't be connected with the murder of Phillips because George Reynolds has been dead for the past five months. Yes. But also now, Bigelow, you know too much about this. So Chester is going to go take care of Bigelow, take him outside the city and kill him. So we got a nice drive through the city here. It's not looking good, passing yeah. by some cops and everything, and he's just staring at that brake. And as soon as uh, Chester moves his foot, he like slams on the brake, and he's able to run out. This is my other favorite scene where they're in the the drugstore, uh, yes. which is which is great. Running through the drugstore, and Chester, there's there's some gunfire. This yeah. thing goes so badly. Wilding um, out in there with the gunfire, all these people around. <laughs> yup. But the cops get to him, and they shoot Chester dead. And Bigelow's actually able to slip out and 
go away. <laughs> get yeah, back how the to cop business. does like he hears him like plotting, uh, and the cop's just so focused on the guy doesn't think like, oh, maybe this guy is a part of it. Like none of that. Oh, he's like, good enough. We we got one. Yeah, we got this guy. He's shot. He's fine. So Bigelow goes back to his car, his rental car. He had rented a car earlier, by the way, but mm-hmm. not that important. And he he put a gun in the glove compartment earlier. So not that important, but, you know, important to this particular scene. <laughs> yes. And then Paula shows up because we got to have Paula at this point. She's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a jealous girlfriend. What's going on? And it's like, you know what? Good thing you came for once. This is a good instinct to hear. But he's not letting him, her know that he's been poisoned. Just yeah. that Eugene Phillips is definitely murdered. And it seems like I'm going to be next. So he gives Paula his hotel room key and just says, stay there. Chill out. So she stays behind. Well, he gets back to work. Bigelow, his instinct right now is that Stanley and Miss Foster were the killers because it didn't seem like Majak really knew anything about Bigelow being poisoned. Yeah. So he goes to confront them at Phillips's office, but he finds out that Stanley has been poisoned too after having dinner with Mrs. Phillips. Mm-hmm. So he calls in, he's able to calls in an ambulance and lets them know that, hey, <laughs> this guy's had luminous poison. And he, when he talked to the doctor earlier too, he's like, oh, you know, if, you got here in time, we might have been able to do something. So for this guy, it does seem like he's going to be okay. Yeah, because originally it was 12 hours before he had it, about 12 hours before he was diagnosed for, right. for but in his case, he said about like a half hour, if I remember. Yeah, so that, like it he, was so it was, early on. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, it seems like he probably saved his life. Yeah. I guess, fingers crossed, you know, right? <laughs> Don't eat poison. That's all. Yeah. Maybe uh, in the sequel, the, the DOA part two, we'll hear his story. I know. Well, we did get a, a crank part two, so we can almost assume that that's that because these movies have a lot of similarities. I don't know if you're a crank fan. Oh, uh, do they? I did not know that. No, I've not have seen you seen crank? crank? No, oh, I've not. Okay. Cannot recommend the crank movies highly enough, especially okay. the, the first one, but it is very much just like, oh shit, I'm about to die. I better get stuff done. Okay. Hijinks ensue. But I think you would, I think you would love crank. Okay. I'm willing to say that it had to be sold to me, but I was so glad I bought in the end. All right, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll add it to the list because I, I I came in with skepticism too, but I I was a changed man afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've saved his life hopefully, and now Stanley has told Bigelow that he found evidence that Halliday and Mrs. Phillips were probably having an affair. Bigelow now realized that the theft of the iridium by Majak was actually a diversion. And that the affair is what killed, what led to the quote-unquote fake suicide. Yeah, because there was like um, so, a scuffle on the balcony and how they threw him off the balcony, apparently. You should always be suspicious of a balcony death. It's just too convenient. Yeah. yeah. So Bigelow heads over to Mrs. Phillips at, the ha- at her house and she's able to confess that she and Halliday used the investigation of the iridium as a cover for the crime, making it seem like Eugene Phillips had committed suicide out of the shame. But we discover... However, that there is evidence because of the, the notarized bill of sale that that was able to prove his innocence. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip past that. Too convoluted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in it now, folks. Yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're in the weeds at this point. We really are. I mean, I'm, I was definitely lost at this point, but having a great time. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Just you know, enjoy the eye candy. Basically. Yeah, it's like it's like Big Sleep. I think Big Sleep's the the, the really biggest, exam- biggest example of that. Like you just kind of like okay, yeah, you just kind of you, you kind of live with it. and You're like okay, this is cool. Otherwise, I'm 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 riding it out. You know. Yeah, it's nothing that ruins anything. No. You know, so that's which is saying a lot because if, if you <laughs> throw too much plot, you're still like hey, I'm having a good time. Like yeah, it's that really says movie. something about the, the factors that work so much. So. Bigelow leaves the apartment building and he gets drunk by some, some of Majak's henchmen, the, the guys that are still left. There was this little guy with a cowboy hat. I kept thinking he was going to do something nuts, but he didn't really end up. He was very through, quiet. But yeah, he was very quiet. He kind of looked at the camera a couple times. I like, he had a good vibe, though. So Bigelow, because, of course, none of these guys are Chester. Chester was the best. Yeah. Chester's out of the pictures. They don't have a chance. He's able to outrun them, gets on a bus. But the gangsters, they follow the bus and there's like a nice like slip out of the back entrance of the bus. Yeah. Which, which was a good time. And he, he stands close to like a police officer that he sees too. So they know they're not going to go after him. Right. And so Bigelow's able to escape again. And he tracks Halliday down to this office and he confronts him. And the he Bradbury. sees that. 
the, the Bradbury. Yes, the, yeah, the Bradbury, which is very a very famous famous office, uh, as famous as Blade Runner Blade is Runner. seen in. Yeah, and for many a film, we see that Halliday was actually the one who poisoned the drink and did the old switcheroo. And he attempts to run as a result of this, and Bigelow shoots him to death. It's a nice exchange of gunfire, but yes. Bigelow comes out on top. The Bigelow man on yes. campus. Then we are, we are done with our flashback. He finishes telling the story, and his last word before he dies is... Oh. And the police detective who's been taking down the report gives it the old stamp that says D-O-A, dead yeah. on arrival, because basically just, this guy came in here, talked for two seconds, and then just fucking died. <laughs> well, just like his love life's D-O-A. Oh, boy, Dan. <laughs> I've been waiting the entire episode to say that. Is that true? Kind of, yeah. Okay. I had All it in right. my head, I was like, if I can get this in there at some point where it works, I was like, I'm doing it, and if I, fa- if I didn't find an inroad, I wouldn't use it, but it felt, it felt good there. I feel like you had so many inroads except for this one. Really? Yeah, like when Paula was calling, you could be like, when he's going out his vacation, then you said, yeah, I guess his love life is, is, is DOA. Yeah. Well, or, I'm just uh, saying, because now who, really it's the DOA. Guy who killed, the guy who killed himself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, his, li- his, li- his love life is DOA. Yeah. yeah. I, cu- I, couldn't th- I could not think of that during the whole time, and I could not think of uh, the Ramon song, Somebody Put Something in My Drink, which is arguably one of my favorite hilarious songs ever that I'll just sing to myself. Uh, Like if I'm in a bad mood, I'll sing that song in the voice uh, of the song and it just makes me feel better. So, because I I legitimately like the song, but it's also, it's such a hilarious uh, song um, that, that I was just singing that, you know, I won't do it. I wish we were the type of podcast to make Ramones references before we make friends references. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew, like, I'll admit, like, I mean, Friends is fine. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm so indifferent to it. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, if it's on, it doesn't bother me. But it's not, it's not like one of my favorite shows. You know, I, I just felt like it was something that obviously popped in my head because of the DOA line. Like, how? Oh, I mean, the, the theme up? song is such a iconic, a juggernaut. You yes, know? I actually saw the Rembrandts live once by accident. So see, this, this is the story you tell, Dan. What? <laughs> Please, how did you see the Rembrandts once by accident? So I, I went to a show. I guess it was like 97 or 98. I went with my parents. It was up in Allentown. It was like some music festival or some festival. Every and bit of information you keep adding is just makes more sense with the story. Like, exactly, yep, yep, right? Yeah, I mean, course. once you hear the story, yes, it, it makes total oh, you sense. You need all of those factors in place for this to happen. But I think I went because like my mom is a huge Bon Jovi fan and Richie Sambora was playing a solo set and she loves Richie Sambora. And it, I think the bill was like, it was like the Rembrandts, Richie Sambora, Richard Marks, and like a couple other acts. I can't remember the other acts, but those are the three that, that I can recall. But I believe it was like around 98, I think it, it happened. But I just remember seeing the Rembrandts there. I was about to give all this credit to the Rembrandts. I checked them out on Spotify to see like the plays and what the tops are. I keep losing you. Hang on. Where do we leave off? Uh, you said something about the Rembrandts and you were checking the song. Uh, I checked on Spotify to see what the top songs were and i was impressed i was like oh wow some of these a bunch of these have a full million but they were all just different versions of i'll be there for you but they have one song just the way it is baby that was a big one apparently and someone those those have a decent amount of play i haven't listened to them but apparently they've been described as like their other stuff sounds more like jangly rem kind of stuff which i'm actually like half interested in hearing just to see in comparison yeah i mean I'd be curious, but also I'm, I'm okay living in a world where I don't have to go people, you know, like the Rembrandts actually have a good song. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm okay leaving. I'm just giving them the old clap off. Well, I think I have a good, a good segue out of this. That's music related is a suggest- Get us out of this and into yeah. our fun facts, Dan. Exactly. Uh, I, I will say that one thing I, I neglected to mention in the, in the beginning part was I did watch some kind of monster Metallica documentary, which you had recommended to me. Hell yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> It was an odyssey. It was a true odyssey. Isn't it? It um, really is. I I both loved and hated it. It made me remember how terrible a record that sounds. From like Oh, a, God. That's the best part. Yeah. Is like the record they're making is like that worst, awful, like that terrible drum sound. Oh, and the like, snare drum. Like, I don't know if it, like, I mean, being a musician too, like, it just, it sounds so bad. Like, so objectively, bad. it's so bad. And I also just like love scene where they're like, getting psyched on 
my lifestyle determines my death style or whatever. Oh, one of the greatest lines of all rules. time. And one of like, yeah, one of the lines that has stood out to me like my entire life is being like, what the fuck? And just seeing them come up with that and be like, yeah, it's Not, so good. But I, I also, I love that love scene of that therapist, man, where he's just wearing the shades and he just hands over lyrics on a post-it note. That's a, that it's point- a trip. Yeah, at that point, they're like, oh, we have to have a meeting because this guy's not going to be with us <laughs> much longer. Tell him he's got to fucking go. Yeah, I, it's, it can't recommend it enough. I know people stay away from it just because it's like Metallica. It's yeah. Like, yeah, and they're making the most Metallica record ever at that time. But I promise you, it's so funny. You, you have to give them credit for even letting this thing see the light of day. Because it's, it's like, fascinating. They, they're like behind the egos, it. Like, like the yeah. egos are involved, just everything. It's just, yeah, it's it was a trip, man. I... I was definitely, uh, I was definitely engaged in it for sure. I, I mean, I am Glad a huge, I'm a huge documentary guy, especially music documentaries. So for me, like, you know, I'll at least give it a chance, even if it's a band I'm not super interested in. I'll still watch it because, you know, I, I still find a lot of behind the scenes stuff interesting and just seeing the process yeah. and the process was also fascinating wow. for yeah. them just literally just sitting around in a room and just being like, hey, I got this riff and like everybody Devoid of any musical fucking inspiration whatsoever. And yeah, just seeing the band dry of inspiration. Was, yeah. It's like brutal. How forced it is. But I mean. Oh yeah, I mean, ever just like dun, 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 like all the guitar line and just like Headfield just singing this like nonsense. Yeah, it's, and then the, the, the then I think it was uh, Lars saying something about like he didn't want to solo from Kirk Hammett because he was like, oh, no one does solos anymore, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. It's just like, it's just like, dude, come on. <laughs> no, and then even like Kirk Hammett too was just like, yeah, I think that the no solo things is a very uh, this time thing. It will yeah. sound dated. And it's so true. I mean, yeah. that record they were making could not sound more dated of that time too. Oh, yeah. So go out and listen to Saint Anger. I kind of felt bad for Kurt, honestly. Like it, throughout that documentary, oh, dude, what I, I a kept, sweetheart! Yeah, I kept feeling for him. I was like, I was like, this guy is like trapped on all sides on, on this one. No, he's just like on his ranch out in Northern California. I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. But DOA. Well, we got a review of you liking that documentary. What do you think of this movie, Dan? Ultimately, do you, do you like it? Do you think it belongs in the in the top noir lexicon? I absolutely loved it. I had I had such a great time watching it. And it made me think of, uh, you're kind of getting back to what we talked about at the beginning, as much as it's public domain, like, it, it, I was thinking by the end of the movie, I was like, man, what I love, like, a really good solid restoration, Blu-ray, you know, like, 4K yeah. scan print of this. Like, I would I would. It would not be hard. I mean, yeah. that the print we watched, is, it's almost there. It just needs a little TLC, and it could a- yeah. absolutely happen. No, I, know, like, I'm, I'm glad I, I, we did it. I'm glad I actually bought a copy, because this is something I would definitely certainly rewatch. No question. Really exciting. Nice, quick movie to can't recommend it enough. Edmund O'Brien. He's a good time. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I might, I might try to do a quick AB. Like I might watch the Kennedy print and see how it, if it is the same print or if it is slightly different. Definitely give curious. it a shot. Yeah. Oh, also the last at the very, very, very end of the movie where they talk about like, Oh, luminous drugs is a real thing. Like yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. But yeah, Edmund O'Brien, after DOA, he, he immediately followed it up with 7-11 Ocean Drive in 1950 as well. And then his career hit a bit of a slump. He had been struggling with his weight, which would mm-hmm. change significantly between films. When it came to being like a leading character role, that's when especially it became harder for him. And he, it was hard for him to find anything that seemed worth his while. He had a quote, The funny thing about Hollywood is that they're interested in having you do one thing and do it well and do it ever after. That's the sad thing about being a leading man. While the rewards may be great in fame and finances, it becomes monotonous for an actor. I think that's why some people who are continuously playing themselves are not happy. Hmm. I will say that I remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about, I had suggested The Web had come out on Blu-ray. Yes, he's the star yes. of The Web. And a sort of similar, he's a lawyer, but he gets embroiled, he like gets pulled into this whole literal web of of all this crazy stuff that happens so hopefully we're going to cover that one too good yeah because he's great oh, now yeah, yeah. as well it made me think of that of that movie because I, I just recently watched it and i was like wow i was like i was like we just wa- i just watched him in that and now he's great in this i I'm and definitely, hitchhiker recently too so and hitchhiker as well yep we've been uh visiting him we've been blessed with him and, and we him actually have been yeah i've been happy to have him he was a highlight in hitchhiker and it was good to see him keep up the good work in this seminal film mm-hmm. In 1958, he directed and starred in a TV drama written by his brother called The Town That Slept With The Lights On, which Mm. was about two Lancaster murders that so frightened the community, they began sleeping with their lights on. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Especially him coming from the film noir world, just seeing him 
apply these lessons. Could he do it? I wonder. I wonder, yeah. He continued to have weight problems in throughout the 60s. He was going to play the title role Johnny Midnight, which was a crime drama about a New York City actor turned private detective. And the producers refused to cast him unless he shed at least 50 pounds. So wow. he went on a crash vegetarian diet, quit drinking. It's a great character name. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny Midnight. He also got one more quote from him. I seldom get very far away from crime. I found it pays. I tried non-crime films like Another Part of the Forest. Good picture, good cast, but no good at the box office. But you just put a gun in your hands and run through the streets during Cops and Robbers, and you're all set. <laughs> he, gets uh, he, was all, he totally gets it. He, I mean, we saw him running. He, yeah. he's, he's a pro. You could have put him on the track. Yeah. Uh, he was also a cast member in Orson Welles' previously unfinished 1970s movie, The Other Side of the Wind, which mm-hmm. finally saw release on Netflix in 2018. Mm-hmm. Didn't watch it. I'll get to it. Been meaning to. But he died at age 69 from complications from Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Pamela Britton, she was best known for playing Lorelai Brown in the television series My Favorite Martian. Mm-hmm. Always a good time. And 1974, while performing on tour with Don Knotts, she complained of having headaches and was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died within weeks. Jeez. One film that was made by the screenwriters of this that I'd like to get to from Clarence Green and Russell Rouse and directed by Russell Rouse was a, a 1952 film called The Thief, mm-hmm. which has no dialogue in it, hmm. which I think would be very interesting. Maybe we'll put that on the list. That yeah, kept coming up I, in my I research. I know about this one. Interesting. Yeah, it kept coming up in the in the research for this one, and I was just like, wow, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I, yeah, I we'll look into it. We'd love to please. bring it to you. Yeah. I, I, if we can find it, I'm going to guarantee we're bringing it to you at some point. Great time, GOA. Glad, glad we got here and glad we liked it. It's fun when you hold off on those, like, everybody says you should see your movies, but then they come through, you know? Yeah, and in I think... Case. Yeah, I know we're, you know, we still got a little ways to go this year, but I, I, you know, I was, I was kind of putting together a list of movies I hope we cover next year. And like, I'm thinking like, wow, there's still a ton of other really solid ones that we haven't gotten to yet. It just, it just really is a testament to just, it is, it is nice for us, obviously, to, to space it out too, but just the breadth of quality, like just across the yeah. board and, and some obscure ones, some really well-known ones. And, 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 you know, I think we've done a pretty good job so far of, of balancing it. Uh, which I think is is cool. I think so too. And I think we're, we're lucky that we got at least another year or two left of the show. <laughs> a lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot to talk about. You know, that's what I mean. Of, like yeah. I, we're not going to have to try for at least a couple of years. So yeah, that's fun. I mean, I, it definitely has just been as we make the lists, it's just like, what should we do and what would be fun to do that maybe we haven't seen or mm-hmm. one of us hadn't seen, you know, yes. podcast. So definitely fun that it worked out in this regard and, We'll see what comes up again soon. We're getting close to the end of the year. I'm sure we'll have some sort of roundup ranking of these sort of things. Maybe like a top top five, maybe a top five or top 10 of the year. Well, yeah, of the year. And then maybe like ones we hadn't seen, ones we had seen. We we could make a lot of lists. We're going to, we'll do it. We like lists. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Speaking of lists and the fact that it's not one, (laughs) I'm sure it shows up on a list. I don't know. I got nothing on that segue. I'm sorry. But join us. We're going to go back in time three years to 1947 for Ride the Pink Horse. Ooh, yes. You're looking at a guy named Gagan. Gagan didn't like getting pushed around. So he pushed back. But he picked on a big man, someone out of his league. I wanted what he had, he refused to give it to me. There was a fight. You fell short, he wasn't as tough as he thought he was. So you had him killed? Only Gagan wasn't alone. He had a team, a couple of characters he found hiding behind a fiesta. Pila, a stray pup whose devotion no words can explain. I don't know what to do tonight. Well, why don't you get yourself a muchacho? Like your girlfriends. I don't know how. You're telling me. And Poncho, the merry-go-round man. You don't think so much of Poncho. You're wrong. Poncho is a right guy. For a friend, he let himself be beaten to a pulp. Knife is good. It's easy to fix. I got three knives in me. When you're young, everybody sticks knife in you. And there's Marjorie, pretty and smooth. 
So smooth, Gagan can't tell whether she's friend or foe. I'm not making a pass. I'm just being stupid. What's on your mind? Hmm? And Retz, who looks out for the law. I got a job to do, Gagan. I can't be wasting my time keeping an eye on you. You better come along. What is this, a pinch? You already know what's going on. I know. They tried to kill you. I believe not. Have you seen this one? I have not. I, it's, yeah. it's one that I've always had on the back burner. It's a criterion. I've, I've always it seen is. it. I'm like, I know I'm going to get this. And I just, for whatever reason, I kept pushing it off. But I'm ready to to buckle down. I have it. I'm, I'm ready. I got out of the last sale. I'm ready to buckle down and watch it. Dan, you stole the words right out of my mouth. That's my experience as well. I, I'm looking forward to it. You, it's recommended quite a bit. Yeah. No. It's such a fascinating name. I like, I'm curious to see how it plays into the whole thing. Absolutely. Why are we riding this pink horse? Yeah. And where, where's it going? More important. I don't know. Nay, we find out. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm going to do my horse impression, right? That was good. That was really good. Thanks. And that wasn't added post either. It maybe was, you know. maybe, maybe it was. I don't know if I want the reputation of being good at horse impressions. I'm a horse guy. <laughs> <laughs> Folks. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails. Like yep. we just digested luminous poison. So... Definitely give us an email if you have your thoughts, you, you want to suggest anything, whatever you want to chat about, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com, out of the podcast on Instagram. Come find us, come say yo, leave reviews, all those things. Yeah. I've been saying these Appreciate times. feedback. Yeah, for sure. Feedback, but you know, just engaging. But thank you so much for listening. The, the show continues on the rise, which is incredible. This thought? time next year, who knows what's coming? Yeah, could have some good surprises. It's just, it's fun. It's been a fun roll of the dice, and thanks for playing craps with us. Craps is dice, yeah. right? Yeah. It is, yes. <laughs> I've never played it, but I do know it. it That's why I had to yeah. ask, Dan. Two, yeah. two, two gamblers over here. Yep. Gambling with the enjoyment of the end of the show. Yes. But thank you for joining us, and until next time, here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ready?